the secrets of operating in Mexico and finding local friends. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Operating in Mexico as an international EP provider, the ins and outs, the do's, the don'ts, we're meeting Mr. Lee Orton, COO of Fortress Risk Management and co-founder of The Kindness Games, what an interesting episode. What an interesting angle. Yes, people are traveling less, but people are still going to Mexico from various countries and from Mexico. Elijah, what are you looking forward to uh, today? Is it a topic that affects you and, and, and your work? Uh, for sure. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it for a couple of reasons. One is being on the United States side uh, in, in, in North America and, we, and our proximity to Mexico that's the destination, particularly because it's more open during the pandemic than some of the other countries. And so everyone is traveling from here, going over to Mexico, and a lot of times they're going over with the wrong mindset. So anything that gives some additional insight tonight, I'm looking forward to. Uh, if you think about it, in the States, uh, particularly right around now, which is spring break in the United States, Miami is the hot spot. But because Miami is shut down, areas of Mexico, particularly like Tulum, have become the hot spot. And so anything that kind of gives some additional insight so that we can educate our clients and, and our families, I think is important. I like it. And, and, and Sean, uh, you know, it's not just uh, our American colleagues who have to travel to, uh, to Mexico. Have you ever had to, to, to operate a mission there? What were your experiences or perhaps comparable countries? Yes, I have. It's, it's not one of the places I have great experience of. I've been there once on task. I have very fond memories of Cancun, which was <laughs> Fantastic place to visit, especially a nightclub called Coco Bongos. <laughs> from the ceilings. It's a night I'll never forget. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to Lee. I feel like, I feel like we need to do another podcast just on your experience uh, at Coco Bongo, though. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that at another time. But, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to listening to Lee, his take on Mexico, because whenever you operate somewhere new, it's good to get that local knowledge from guys and girls who are out on the ground there. They know how to operate. They have the atmospherics of the local area. So I'm sure we can learn a lot from him. And Elijah, you know, people are still going there. People are still operating. People are still going on holiday. What, what are some of the pitfalls? What, what do you think people who haven't thought it through do wrong? Well, I, I think a lot of times is that we go into it uh, with one or two visions of Mexico. One is that it's, it's sunshine and beaches. And the other is, is that it's such a dangerous place with the cartels that you can't move around at all. And so the reality is it, it falls somewhere in the middle of that or it encompasses all of that. And so again, either the protective posture is so restrictive that um, if you're going there on assignment, uh, that the client doesn't get to do the things that they were intending to do, or it's so relaxed because you, know, you believe just what the tourism board says, which is come and enjoy our, our fruity drinks and, and our nightclubs that you let your guard down. So to, to Sean's point is uh, dealing with people that have intimate knowledge that are locals of the area and can see things with a security perspective and can talk about where to go and, and more importantly, where not to go. I like it. And, and in a way, this session we're gonna have with Lee builds on a particular panel we had at the EP Tech Forum back in January. 
uh, because uh, back then, actually, I did country by country panel and we had uh, RB and uh, Bombardier and also Lee on a panel talking about some of the cultural nuances and about giving local people respect that they deserve, uh, especially if you're new there. And, you know, last last week we, we had uh, Simeon Rosette on. We were talking about respecting the butler. Um, I feel that Mexico is such an important case. Maybe it, it's one massive uh, field of butlers. Uh, is that... You know, it... Well, I, I have to say that, though, particularly because, you know, from the U.S., sometimes we go into it, again, because we're, we're, we're in such close proximity, um, and sometimes the cultural caricatures happen, you know, particularly in politics and divisive issues like the border wall and, and things that happen on, on each side, passing the blame. And so there is an arrogance uh, when, when we come from the U.S., again, speaking from my background, when we come from the U.S. to go over there into someone else's country and kind of, you know, order them around or or, or take take them for granted, etc. And I and I could get you into a lot of trouble. I think you're you're right, and um, it, it's definitely a theme that we've been sort of touching on in the in the, in the magazine. I know uh, Sean last time was talking about going to bed at the same time as the butler, and I know when we did our West Africa event, we were sort of shining a light on uh, how actually there's lots of local partners to to get to know. I don't know if either of you have seen uh, Lee uh, with the kindness games has actually also been doing a lot to raise the profile of, you know, treating staff well and looking after your staff, especially during this last, uh, you know, pandemic period. Sean, have you had any oversight of that online? Lots of people saying thank you all the time. You must have seen something. It's a fantastic concept, which he started him and I can't remember the other Tim Wenzel. Tim Wenzel. Yes, that's the one I think. Fantastic concept, especially with the year we've just had with the global pandemic. You know, these kindness messages, lifting everyone up, getting everyone in a good spirit. I take my hats off to them. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I just think, uh, you know, there's, there's so much negativity and uh, things would be trending on the depressing side of the spectrum uh, coming out of uh, uh, 2020 that anything that's positive, I, I support. So, Well, on that note, let's meet Lee. And of course, he's got two hats, both his Fortress Risk Management Mexico hat and his kindness hat. Let's delve into the topic of exploring Mexico as an outside EP professional. Uh, let's let's uh, give it away, Lee. And now let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit magazine. Today, we're with Lee Orton, Chief Operating Officer of Fortress Risk Management, also the co-founder of the Kindness Games. We're talking operating in Mexico as an institutional EP professional. And what we do with these uh, Circuit Magazine podcasts, we have three quickfire questions to really get into it. And first off the bat, what's your biggest gripe with the industry as it stands? What do people not know? Straight off the bat, that's that's a tough one, that is. Um, I don't know. Uh, my good friend Ivor said the other day that we're, we're united as, as an industry. I still think we're a little bit fractured, and I think that we can do better coming together in terms of sharing awareness and you know, creating that ecosystem of showcasing the knowledge that we've you know, accumulated down the years. I think we can do better there. So, Ivor, if you're listening, I love you, bro, but that's just my opinion. Okay, well, 
obviously you're in Mexico, but where has your enthusiasm for EP within Mexico come from? Well, I don't EP from Mexico is, yeah, it's totally different, right? Most people see Man on Fire. I think I've said this million times. I think I even said it in Vegas is that that is what the perception of EP in Mexico is. You know, for me, it's the complete opposite. I love the challenge, as you guys know, um, and I really you know, like to go a different way. Low profile has always been you know, what has been my passion. And again, getting the job done in that matter you know, without the bells and whistles. But Mexico has really got me passionate because it's such a, you know, there's a lot of vulnerabilities here. There is a ton of risks and you really need to bring your A game every single day. So that's, that's the passion for me about Mexico. And what does the wider EP community not understand that you'd, you'd like them to better understand about, you know, coming to Mexico? Sure. One of my, my bugbears is that I often get asked uh, by clients to have uh, B6 armored vehicles, all of my uh, CPOs to be armed. So then I ask them the question of, you know, where have you got this information? Why do you deem that the risk is that exponential, you know, and I then go into questioning what is the risk profile of their client. Now I understand that there is a different risk profile to, for, you know, if you're a CEO um, and you're a recognized figure down to an, a normal employee on the ground, there's, there's totally different ways that we would operate. And same again, I always, I would challenge the norms and say, does a CEO require a B6 armored vehicle personnel? Uh, again, as I said at the beginning, I'm a lover of low profile, and that is always the way that I like to go in and out. And for me, security is about infusing um, your surroundings, right? And basically being very cognizant of the environment that you're working in. So get the local community on your side. If you storm in there with B6 armored vehicles, guns are blazing, then you're going to upset people straight away. Yeah, I can totally appreciate all of that, Lee. Uh, I've not worked in Mexico, I have worked in several hotspots around the world, and it's a very similar sort of mentality. And that education that you spoke about is a reoccurring theme for sure. And you do need to have the answers up your sleeve because people will just assume that you need all the kit and to go in all guns blazing. And for somebody who hasn't operated in Mexico, and you reference Man on Fire, Narcos, and the rest of the, mm. the shows out there that we can watch. So I think of Mexico, I think of drugs, cartels, extortion, kidnapping, murder. What's the current threat landscape there at the moment? And if there has been any change, potentially, you know, through COVID and so on, can you speak to that also? Yeah, of course I can. Um, th this environment is extremely fluid. You can operate in the border towns where... There may be more criminal activity, uh, you know, cartel, yeah, they're, they're cartel trafficking routes, as an example. So you have to be very aware that you're going to have that kind of activity ongoing. I always say to a lot of people, yeah, you think me as a security company, I'm going to go up against the cartels when the government can't even, um, you know, even go up against this scourge. For me, it's, un it's again, it's about understanding your environment and again, adaptability and adopting your modus operandi to, to what's in front of you. I always say to clients is you cannot mitigate that risk of the cartel activity, but what you've got to understand is how do we work 
alongside it? How do you recognize it? And, and who is responsible for certain aspects? Every part of Mexico is different. Even you know, the, the beautiful hotspots like the, the Cancuns, the, you know, the Cabos, Puerto Vallarta's, Playa del Carmen's, they have their own certain risk, stress and vulnerabilities. So again, it's about creating a security culture, but painting the realistic picture. I've never been a scaremonger security professional. When you come to me, I will always tell you the reality. I will never upsell anything within you know, my capabilities just to put a bum on a seat or to add some extra cash in my bank account. That is not me. That's not who we are. And that is not how I want my brand represented. We're here as a facilitator and an enabler of your business. So for me here in Mexico, it's understanding your risk profile, who is your company, and again, what are the inherent risks focused upon you? And then how then can I adapt you know, my services to facilitate your needs? We do a lot of one-on work with our clientele, um, and I know that we have got a winning product here because, again, of you know, the feedback that we, you know, that we get. I always search for constructive criticism, though, because I believe that that is how you become you know, a bigger and better professional. In terms of the, the threat landscape, does it still look the same? Pretty much. That being said, COVID has affected it. Now the cartels are still operating and still extremely active in certain areas of the country. So you still have to be aware of that. But again, they've diversified and the threat rat landscape has evolved. We currently here in Mexico have a lot of offshore um, you know, oil and gas operations. So there is a lot of piracy going on, which a lot, a lot of people don't know about. Um, I know a lot of people have seen the media work that I've done with the likes of Fox News, New York Times, Univision, etc., to try and create awareness. And that is what I'm, I always do with any story that I get involved. So if any writer reporter comes to me is that I always say to them, look, if it's a, if you, it's a story about sensationalized things, I'm not interested. But if you're going along the route of making people aware so that we can create you know, an ecosystem of security, a security culture, an awareness understanding, then I'm in, right? I'm fully bought into that because that's what I want to do. I want to share so that people understand what is the reality. And then coupled with that, how can we potentially mitigate that? As we all know, you can never eliminate uh, risks fully. It's, it's impossible. But what we've got to find is that happy medium so that I then still enable your you know, business operations and that, again, that you continually to be, be successful. So there's a lot involved. And those that have been in the game for a long time, a lot of these practitioners will always say, hey, there's a lot more to security than, than meets the eye or what the perception is of security. As a company operating out of Mexico, what's your greatest challenge, Lee? So, so this, a lot of people, and there's one thing that you've missed, which is a huge risk here, in Mexico, everyone goes on about cartels and corruption. Uh, the biggest is uh, the sindicatos, which is the unions, because 
they may on face value seem a legitimate organization and they are in retrospect but there is a lot of nefarious activity and bad actors infiltrated within unions so i would say to a lot of the you know massive multinationals and corporations out there is evaluate the unions of where you're going to invest because you kind of do your research and understand what the direct risks are, but the unions are what I would class as an indirect risk and an untangible, which you didn't think about because to be able to operate in any of the rural areas where most of the time when you are operating in this country. So if you're, if you're in the oil and gas industry, if you're in the mining industry, they're always remote locations. So in those remote locations, it's not really the government that rules it's, you know, it's the local populace. And again, they've been infiltrated by the cartels and the syndicatos. So you have to do your homework. So for me, that is one of the biggest risks that people overlook and, and don't really understand. So I always try and get, so when corporations are you know, um, bidding on projects, that's when I want to speak to them. I don't want to speak to them after the fact because then they've completely overlooked. And again, then they're going to have to include, you know, an even bigger budget to, to offset that threat. So that for me, uh, the union syndicatos, as we call them here, are one of the biggest threats that people don't see. Great answer that, Lee. And it's not one that I would have uh, had on the top of my list, might not have even been on my list. So quickly then on that, what would be your top tip? for doing that homework, where would you go to? I'm thinking that this might not be something that you just go online and do a quick Google search for. No, um, you know, those of you that, that know me, I'm very active in social media, you know, talking about Mexico. If you want to, how do you, you know, find out about things like this is, you know, contact me and I'm always willing to take my time and sit down and discuss these matters. And it's not from a, you know, selling my business perspective. I, Again, it's all about creating awareness. And this is what I like to do for the, the overarching aspect of the industry is that I want people to understand more of the realities of, of Mexico, you know, the pitfalls, but also the successes that, that, that happen here. And how you become a success is understanding you know, what these threats are. No, there, there, there are websites, government websites out there where you can do your research. It's interesting though, because I spoke to a... Um, a prospective client yesterday that's looking to invest in Mexico. And we're talking billions of, of, of dollars investment. So it's quite large. And they were explaining that they're trying to do some work with some government institutions. And they were expressing their difficulties of even getting an email answered. So it's, Mexico for me is extremely progressive. Yet in some things it's still behind the curve. And I'd like to think, you know, personalities like myself, and there are, you know, there, there are others here that are very well versed, you know, on Mexico is, you know, is to reach out to them. Or, you know, don't be embarrassed in what your question is. For me, if you're proactive and you're progressive, you could potentially save your company millions, if not billions. Because uh, that's what I always, you know, when people say to me, oh, you know, security is expensive. Well, I say to them, well, if you stop drilling for a day, that's potentially $20 million in revenue you've lost. Whereas my service may cost you a thousand bucks. What's a thousand bucks to you guys? 
you know, it's a drop in the water. So again, it's understand and speak the language too. For me, a lot of security professionals don't know how to engage with the business. They speak to them in security jargon, speak to them in, you know, bottom lines, revenue, you know, profit loss, you know, just risks, threats, and vulnerability. Start understanding the language that that person who's listening to you really understands, not like you're, you know, down the gym with your operator buddy and you're, you're talking in a completely different language. From the perspective of an individual operator arriving on the ground in Mexico, what tips or takeaways have you got to help me on my first day, my first week of operating in that environment, both culturally and from a security point of view? Uh, preparation, right? That is, that's the key to everything. Make sure that you have, I wouldn't say a robust plan because plans, we always have to adapt and adopt to, to, to different, you know, systems and scenarios, but have a kind of loose framework. Talk, please reach out to the local practitioners, you know, the local knowledge, even if you don't have the ability to use them, if it's not within your budget, Look, I, I can tell you the likes of me will quite happily, if, if you arrive anywhere in Mexico and, and it's doable, we come along to you know, the local Starbucks, you know, have a coffee with you. You tell us what your plans are, pick our brains. I'm not saying that we're going to tell you what to do because that's not who what we're about. We'll just showcase and share our experiences. So, you know, again, because of the successes that we've had to, to get you through safely in and out, you know, and, and, and back to wherever, you know, your point of origin is. That, that for me is, is the key because I don't want security practitioners coming in here, let's say having an incident, and then the whole industry has a bad stigma associated against it. So look, we're, we're all in this together. And for me, again, it's about the community going back to the, you know, what we were speaking about and just always supporting. So understand the environment that you're going into, always have native speakers, um, try and invest in the local community. Even if it's like you're, you're on a job somewhere, go in, if you can go into a, you know, a local cafe, buy a sandwich or a coffee, you're doing your part in, you know, in the investment ecosystem. So things that are often overlooked, like you know, small things like that is again, you think about it is that you may have this security bubble for yourself. You're then creating a secondary security bubble by investing in that community because that community if they have any local knowledge local intel and they see the atmospherics potentially getting hostile before you do because you've gone and bought a, a coffee or a sandwich in that local cafe i'm telling you now there will be whispers coming towards you and saying hey you guys need to get out of here because something's about to happen so it's the small things like that that, that can make a huge impact so for me it's not about just focusing on the operational side. It's how do you blend you know, with the community, social responsibility. Again, this is often overlooked. What, is, what are you going to impact if you go in? And it's going, also going back to always trying to uh, adopt that low profile. You know, it's all about being passive and, and applying those kind atmospherics because you got to, if you were in your own environment, you know, say that you were in Sunderland or you're in London and someone came across aggressive to you, you're not going to like it, right? It's going to put you on the back foot. 
So why would you do that in an environment that is completely unbeknown to you? Great. Be a humble guest then. Absolutely. Always be humble. Always remain grounded. So Lee, um, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about being discreet. Um, you know, we've talked about operating in different local cultures. And in fact, we had a Mexican panel at our EP Tech Forum back in January, and we were talking about the difference between the North and the South. Um, yeah. I know that you're a big proponent of the Kindness Games, giving you, you know, co-founded it. Um, I guess that's a nice segue for me to say, what's next for the Kindness Games? And are you doing anything uh, Mexico-based uh, with, with, your, with your Kindness Games hat on? Well, I've become this uh, king of kindness and I, I live the, the positivity mantra lifestyle. So as you know, fellow, I always try and re I frame everything in a positive aspect. Now, even if I'm going through a crisis event, it's trying to find the positives out of it. The kindness games has exploded. And I am so proud that it was two security guys that founded the kindness games two type A guys that would on the outside would look quite hardened, but myself and Tim, we're very emotional, um, soft individuals. And, and we want to empower, encourage and inspire as many people as you can. Um, how, how have I really adopted the kindness games, you know, within my own business is that I wouldn't say that people, yeah, with like my team members are doing the kindness games. They're not doing the 30 day challenge. But again, what they're seeing from me is me speak to them in a kind manner, in a caring manner, you know, leading from the front. They're seeing all of the servant leader initiatives that I'm being involved in. So I believe indirectly that, again, I'm helping reframe their minds of adopting positivity being kind to their fellow teammates, you know, even if someone upsets them is find a way of, you know, diffusing that situation and saying, look, hey, it is what it is. You know, we, we agree to disagree, but let's find a way how we can move forward with gratitude in the best possible manner. So the kindness games is on, on a completely, you know, skyrocketing trajectory. We're doing so many initiatives with large security companies who have asked for our help in putting some programs together. We're talking to school districts. Uh, we're even talking to district attorneys in the US. So it's amazing the industries or the groups that are being you know, getting involved. You would have thought that they wouldn't, that there would be more of a pushback. But there seems to be this kind of embracement of leading with kindness. I think the world has seen too much polarization right now, name calling, etc. So what we're, me and Tim are trying to do is, 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 is try to get to the crux of it, understanding what your, or where your negativity stems from and how, how we can re really help. And again, leading with kindness for me um, is one of the most powerful things that we can do. Um, and genuinely in your own you know, environment and your little ecosystem, if you're doing it with them, just one person, that's all it takes to impact. And then you have that, you know, kind of wave event where you can really, you know, spread it globally. Love it. Well, it's a, it's quite a tour de force around uh, Mexico. Uh, I'm sure, you know, you've uh, piqued a lot of people's interest. And as people start to travel more, it is hot topic and hot property. Um, John, do you, do you have anything else for Lee? 
Yeah, I got quite a lot, actually. <laughs> I, I, I don't even feel like we're scraping the surface at the moment. There's loads there. I mean, the kindness games itself for us, you know, the circuit is built around communities. It's built yeah. around, uh, you know, two large communities, one in the US, one in the UK, the British Bodyguard Association and the North American Bodyguard Association. And uh, the message of the kindness games fits into community so well, especially with what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to pull away from the toxic environment of social media. Yeah. Trying to liberate those communities from that and, and to give them the, a, a safe space where, you know, we can nurture the the ethos of the kindness games. That's absolutely what we're trying to bring into those communities. In, in addition to what you've already shared, is there any other advice that you would have for people inside the communities or people building communities? I, I feel like it's something that's really on the rise at the moment. Yeah, let me speak directly to you guys, actually, you know, and the groups that you and the communities that you both work for and lead for is that, hey, let's remember that we didn't create this, you know, for us as individuals, we created it for you. You know, we created it for the community. We created it to bring you together, you know, to infuse unity. Let's remove the toxicity. Let's stop this cutthroat behavior. Now, we can all sit there and complain all day and say that, you know, the world drives us, right? But I've always been a, a, a great believer and proponent that you are, the own, you're, you're your own master of your own destiny, okay? You are the captain of your ship. It's how you manage your emotions. So again, you two as leaders need to set that example in, in showcasing that, you know, it's not weak to speak. It's not weak to show vulnerabilities. You can cry. You can show your emotions. Just because a bodyguard is perceived to look specifically like robotic, I go against that. I've worked with some extremely high-profile high people, some huge business names that have never known that I've been with them, and they've been extremely comfortable and I think that that is what we need to understand is that we are doing a wonderful service, you know, for the entire world right now. Don't let the world perceive us as a disservice. We have a job to do. Create passion. You know, I am huge about being passionate, loving what you do. Don't just treat it as a job. Enjoy it. Get excited about what you do, but how do you get excited? Well, coming together, you know, forming these groups and associations is wonderful. Making sure that everybody, irrelevant of demographic, creed, culture, etc., has a voice at the table. Again, I'm a massive proponent and advocate of young professionals, women in security. I am going to continue to lift them up. That doesn't mean that I am leaving out seasoned professionals because I'm not. I'm always here for you. As I said, I want to listen. I'm an acute listener. I may talk a hell of a lot, but I acutely listen and I will hang on your word. And one thing I can promise you is I will do my utmost best to always help and support your needs. In fact, my heart is very big. I often get told that I put it out there too much, but I don't care. It's a winning formula for me. And I believe that I was put on this earth to support everyone else. Um, and I will always put them 
before me. So remember that it's not about you. It's about the bigger community and supporting one another. I love that. That's fantastic. Thank you, Lee. Well, Lee and the, the Kindness Games from John and myself, thank you ever so much for being on another excellent episode of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You guys are awesome and the pleasure is all mine. Keep doing fantastic things for the industry and uh, yeah, on the whole. Thanks, guys. Always love seeing Lee Orton and, uh, you know, the Kindness Games is such a big part of the community these days. It's really great to have one of the co-founders on. Um, going to Mexico is never going to go out of fashion. So absolutely pandemic, no pandemic. It is flavor of the month for a lot of EP colleagues. Um, Elijah, what did, what did you take away from today's session? Great conversation. And I just love it when we get subject matter experts on. You can tell the people that really are in tune with uh, their area of expertise and can, you know, communicate that to the audience, uh, us included, uh, in a way that it makes sense. And it just made a ton of sense in terms of things that he was saying uh, and operating in that environment. I like it. And Sean, do you see parallels between, you know, Mexico and other places? Because, of course, you know, not everyone will go to Mexico, but I think there's a lot of good lessons learned. Yeah, for sure. I think I was listening to Lee, you could see he just oozed knowledge of his area of expertise. And I think the lessons you learn from him, you can take and you can place anywhere you're going. You know, if you're going to Thailand, Asia, anywhere you're going, all of these lessons could be learned and built upon. I have a question. What lesson can you give us about your time at Coco Bongo? When you were in Mexico? <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious. I feel like there's a story there. We'll talk about that another time <laughs> when the podcast's offline. <laughs> Love it. Uh, love it well i'm sure we're gonna have to find out a lot more about that um i don't i don't know really you know i want to take it further but i'm a bit worried um no great well um i tell you what the kindness games is proceeding apace lee and tim winsel will have a lot of nice things to tell the community and keep us all you know motivated throughout 2021 so so i'm so i'm sure we'll find out more about that uh, and I'm sure Lee will do another IPSB event in Mexico very soon. And of course, we, we, you know, we hope to, uh, to attend the IPSB in Vegas in December if everything goes to plan. Sean, what have you got coming up, actually? That's, a, that's probably a good uh, angle to take. Well, we have issue 57 of the circuit coming out. So I'm looking forward to that. And if you nice. haven't been tuned in reading our newsletters on the circuit, which is now a weekly coming out, I've not really been a big fan of newsletters a lot of people unsubscribe if things aren't relevant to them but i find on the circuit is fantastic with lots of useful tidbits of information for those working in the space i think the cool thing about it is, is we were looking at some of the metrics and the amount of engagement that we're getting from people that are getting the newsletter opening it and reading it is phenomenal so it shows us that people are like like their information transmitted that way and that we're giving them something that's useful and it's not spam so uh, I, I think that speaks volumes. Even even me internally, I actually enjoy receiving it on a Friday. I look down, I see he's chosen a few Stratfor articles. You know, one of our local partners. Um, he, he's chosen some of my articles as well, which is which is always good news. Uh, and of course, this <laughs> podcast features, um, which uh, which is always a winner. But uh, Elijah, what's actually uh, happening on the NABA front? Because there, there are some interesting things we should tell people about. Well, that is correct, sir. So by the time this episode airs we will have dropped the uh, brand new 
uh, NABA Protector app. And so it is basically uh, a resource and community tool in that you can use in the palm of your hand. We launched it um, uh, a couple of days ago from recording of this, and it's been phenomenal in terms of the response. So there's a lot of engagement from people, not just in North America, but all over the world. Uh, so us, along with our sister organization, the British Bodyguard Association, the BBA, we come together, we interact, we network, and a lot of that is taking place in the app. So uh, I definitely recommend people check it out. Uh, we've even got a cool little website for it. So if you want to look at it like there, you can go to uh, www.theprotectorapp.com and it's available for uh, iOS. So for the iPhone users and in, uh, in Google Play for the Android users. So check us out. And, and, and just to emphasize, it is different to the BBA app. It's got different content, different news and, uh, and definitely worth additionally having. Yes, I think uh, uh, you could have one or you could have the other, but it makes a lot of sense to have both because you're going to get uh, different information. Uh, you'll see some synergy, you'll see some familiar faces, but uh, it's bringing value to the industry. So the same way you might have Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter on your phone, that's how we're thinking of these apps. Love it. Uh, I'm definitely downloading it now. Um, in terms of uh, my next steps, well, I'm looking forward to the 21st of April digital asset and identity event that we've got basically helping the physical security specialist make sense of digital keys, digital identities. Yeah, sure, some of the crypto world is, uh, is, is quite exciting at the moment. Yes, we're covering that as well. But it's, it's much more about, you know, what will your principal require you to do uh, to carry around a set of digital keys? What do they look like? What does that involve? It's a future looking panel. Uh, maybe we don't have all the answers. However, the questions that we ask will prompt you to go and find out. So very much looking forward to that. Um, wonderful episode with Lee. Love the kindness games. Love the idea of going to Mexico to that particular club that everyone's now mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and I've got to go there. I've got to go there. But uh, this has been a fantastic episode. We look forward to welcoming you next week for another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.